Listeners, welcome to episode 25 of the Moving the Chains podcast. This is Reek. Due to schedule restraints, things are going to be a little different uh, around here. And, and concerning this podcast, I'll get into details another time. As of right now, we have a podcast to record. Uh, with me is a special guest. Uh, he's a guy that I've known for about five years, and that's not an exaggeration. And we've never met, but yet we've been like really close friends, I feel like. Um, he has his he has his name in, in in plenty of hats. I mean, as I had to go to his Twitter bio to like read off all this stuff, but he's the host of the Four Side Pod. Um, he's a writer on the Colts Wire. He's also a writer on the PT Knicks blog, and he's also a writer at the Big East Coast Bias on SB Nation. Uh, and his at name is Arden Sports Talk. Arden, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Wow, that's crazy. Five years, yeah. It, it's it's been <laughs> it's a while since we started riding with each other, bro. For real. And and you and you're right in what you said. Like I know some folks be like, "Oh, how can you make friends with people online?" And I say it's quite easy. And you're definitely one of my guys, man. You're one of my closest friends on there. Uh, someone's opinion who I really respect a lot. So I really appreciate what we've been building, bro. Absolutely, man. Is we can. <laughs> I don't even know how he first even. I'm sure it was something Drake related. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah. It, was probably, it was probably yeah. something Drake related. But yep. yeah, we have been pretty close ever since then and and, and we've already recorded uh, a podcast together. We have to get together and record some more pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I know I know you say That's you use fact. Zoom, so I'm gonna have to use like a hood or something like that when we record mm-hmm. because yeah, it's not looking good as far as my hair goes, but uh, I hear you on that. I've been wearing hats in the crib, but that's like a family thing. Like my pops, we all just wear hats in the crib when we just come. <laughs> we might have yeah. to adopt that lifestyle. I think I'm gonna have to do that. <laughs> Maybe see, but all I have is beanies. I don't really have, have like that. Yeah, that's what we're like, talking about. Beanies for real. Yeah. Like every time I'm in the crib, we just bunnied out, <laughs> beanied up. I'm just make sure it look nice. Look presentable, and I'm good to go. No crust in my eyes, teeth brush, ready. Yep, yep, I feel you. That's how I've been taking this whole quarantine situation, man. Uh, wait, what's the temperature there? You're in New York, right? Arden? Yeah. You're in New York? Yeah, yeah man, I'm based in New York. I'm based in New York, uh, Westchester County, just right outside New York City in the tri-state. Uh, okay. Been here my entire life. Yeah. See, see, that's the thing with the beanies because for us, the last like few days, it's been like sixty plus, almost seventy degree weather here in Ohio. So it's like I don't oh, know nice, if I want to. Nice. Yeah. So I'm like I don't know if I want to pull a hoodie out for or, or not a hoodie, but a beanie out for that because it's like I don't want my hair to be sweating and then I'll end up because you know I have a lot of hair and I don't want like my hair my to like. Headphones, real quick. I'm gonna do something with my headphones. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 
Yeah. Okay. So for the listeners, it's going to sound a little crazy because we, we kind of got uh, broken up in the middle of that conversation about beanies. So uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're back. Uh, but yeah, uh, you said you're from New York and I was talking about uh, how it's been pretty warm here. So it's kind of tough to wear beanies and stuff like that. So I don't want my hair to break off or anything like that. So that, that would be, that would be inconvenient for me. But yeah, 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 you, you have that, you got the type of hair I'm trying to get to. Like, I love growing out my hair. I used to have long hair as a kid. Yeah. But, um, I try to grow my hair out to occasionally have like that balance between Drake when he had the curly hair and childish. <laughs> but, um, that's my look. My girl be fighting me on that. She like, man, when are you going to get the seizure again? When I feel like it. Like, I love growing my hair. I'm connected back to when I was a kid. No, I mean, the best part for me is that my, my beard is actually, like, it's finally, like, full. And it's growing, like, yeah. really, really good. <laughs> like, really, really thick. It's growing in. And I'm like, man, I've been trying to do this for, like, three years now. But I guess it's just all a part of getting older. But, mm. yeah. Enough about like fashion and 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 our faces and stuff like that. But <laughs> um, you're a Colts fan. How do you yeah, feel, I am. How do you feel about you guys' off season so far? Uh, I'm I'm really happy with the off season we had so far. Um, I know every off season for any team could be considered a very very crucial one, but. I really felt like for the Colts, this offseason was big, especially just for the front office and Chris Ballard. Yeah. You know, the last two seasons for him, he's had, you know, the, the perfect excuse, you know, whether it was Andrew Luck being injured and unsure about playing versus yeah. him actually retiring and then him actually being able to bring in his own head coach. And then, of course, there was the whole Coach McDaniel saga that happened last year. But I really felt like this offseason – had to be a big one for the Colts because there's just no excuses anymore. You know, you've been through everything. This team made the playoffs at one point. This team, when at its best, could be one of the better teams across the league. So it's all about just putting things together. But I'm really happy what they've done so far. Um, I know the Phillip Rivers acquisition has been kind of split among the national media, but I honestly like it. Um, I think anytime you could get a 4,500-yard passer like Rivers – who can make some of those throws downfield and and you just telling him, hey, in this system, all you have to do is protect the ball and then really utilize your weapons uh, the right way. I think that's always a win. Um, any chance you could get a 26-year-old all-pro defensive tackle from yeah. only one pick, um, you'll do that every freaking day. I mean, yeah. there's no question about that. And, and I know some folks as well was looking at the Xavier Rhodes signing like, oh, you know, he's washed. He hasn't been good. struggling but this is somebody that is still only what two years removed from being an all pro yeah yeah i agree i, I think he's been struggling don't with pass injuries. on guys like that especially for when the show that you signed him to yeah yeah no, it's just one of those things where it's like hey if you're able to get him a former all pro on a deal that's cheaper than the guy who you just cut and be hit and, and pierre dessert it's like you just have to do it yeah, I like Pierre, Pierre Desire though. I, I thought I, I thought that was somebody the Eagles would look at, but we ended up trading for Slay, so it was just like, well, okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but if, and if you guys wouldn't have done that trade, then for sure, I think Desire definitely would have been a 
a solid acquisition for you guys. I mean, I liked him during his time at Indy. You know, he was somebody that he was one of the very few corners in all seriousness that was able to go step for step with a DeAndre Hopkins. And yeah. E-Hop is already scary enough to deal with once a year. But imagine having to deal with him two times a year, three times a year if you make the playoffs. And he was able to hold his own. So I think I this all season for the Colts has been what it needed to be. And now it's just all about the draft. You know, you have to nail the draft and you have to really put these things together. So next year, th- this Colts team could get back to what it was before, which is a perennial playoff team. Okay, so, so you guys aren't in the first round anymore. I'm not going to lie. I thought you guys were going to do something like trade. You, I feel like you guys are going to look at two or three players. Uh, Ken Law would have been one of them at 13. Yeah. Um, I, I doubt Derek Brown would have dropped that far to 13, but I thought he would have been a target as well because mm-hmm. you guys just need help along the defensive line, I feel like. Another place, this is, again, before free agency started, I thought Jordan Love was going to be in effect at 13, but obviously you guys traded back, so it's like, well, yeah. you know what? Honestly, I, I still feel like it's an opportunity there for the Colts to still be able to take Jordan Love in the second round because I feel like I, I feel like Jordan Love can only go in, like, I guess we could talk about quarterbacks right now. Um, since this, this yeah. the, the base of our episode, this episode is going to be talking about quarterbacks and the skill position players. So um, I, I feel like Jordan Love, it, it's like, it's like, Three different teams, or it's a bust. Chargers hmm. at, would be one at six. I, I feel like that's a wild card, depending on what happens to Tua. I feel like I feel like Love fits what the Chargers do more than what Justin Herbert does, but that's just my opinion. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going Love mm-hmm. instead of Herbert. I'm not saying he's a better prospect, but he's a better fit. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like let's see. I feel like New Orleans. Is also a place I feel like Jordan Love could thrive at, learning, a, going and sitting back a year from a guy Easy. like Drew Brees who doesn't sit back and, and throw turnovers, and that's one of Love's biggest problems when he's working, like, off schedule, quote-unquote. Um, I, I feel like he could benefit mm-hmm. from going there, and I feel like the Colts, those, those are the three teams that I feel like could be a really good fit for Jordan Love, so... If they don't take him in the first round, I feel like that's probably a target that they can look at in the second. But who knows? Who knows? The draft is so unpredictable. Like, I know. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, past drafts, and I don't think it's been a draft more unpredictable than this one outside of maybe the first two picks. And even then, I don't know if the Redskins trade back. They would be stupid to do so, but that's just my opinion. Unless they get a, a, a plethora of picks. For, for that second spot. Um, also with the Bengals, same thing. Although I can see, well, if this is what, well, if if the reports are true that, you know, the Dolphins aren't as high on Tua, although I feel like it's just smoke because I want, they want uh, Tua to fall to number five easily instead of having uh, the Chargers trade up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I feel like, I feel like they could also trade up to get Burrow. I think they have enough picks, and and, and they could create a big enough package to get that number one overall. Um, but we'll see. And then, of course, Detroit's talking about trading back. But back to the quarterbacks, um, we just talked about Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the guy that you really like heading into this draft? Uh, I'll start off with just, you know, personally as a Colts fan, it's, 
you know, there was a lot of Colts fans and uh, Colts media that, that that were really looking into Jordan Love and, and bigging him up. And honestly, I was never really big onto him. You know, I, I, I understand why people aren't, though. I, I really do. Yeah. 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 I was never really big into him. And maybe it was at first when people were saying, oh, this is like the next Patrick Mahomes. And and, and you know, from my yeah. tweet, I'm a huge Mahomes fan, like uh, like a genuinely huge Mahomes fan. And yeah. I like watched this guy closely, studied four of his games closely, a, a mix between good, bad and indifferent. And I'm like, I see the arm talent. I see the size. I know he had a good year the year before this one. You know, this year was tough for him. Change of, I think, coaches and teammates and all that stuff. But I'm like, there's nothing he does physically that, in my honest opinion, is even related to Mahomes. I'm like, you watch Mahomes at Texas Tech, and you knew he was different. Like, yeah. it, you just – there's something about his fluidity. It was just something about the way he carried himself – I was like, oh, this guy is just different. And with Jordan yeah. Love, I never felt that way. And even if the Colts were still at 13, I didn't want them to select okay. Jordan Love at 13. I was a fan of, heck, I'll trade up for a, a, a Justin Hubert or a Tua. Like, I really would, you know? And if not, then you go and take one of the beasts that receiver or one of the beasts that's a Terry alignment on defense. But you damn sure not uh, – reach for Jordan Love at 13. I'm like, no way. <laughs> like, no way at all. And and I feel like in general with this quarterback class, I really like this group. You know, obviously Joe and Tua, those two are, are very, very special talents. Funny enough, I actually just wrote an article that's coming out next week about the trade market for trade um, market It's a for very you. small oh. one. I just think if anybody truly loves like, it's just as simple as that. Like, to stop playing the games, Side with these smoke screens. If you really want them, you have to go get them. And that goes for both Miami and, and LA at five and six. You know what yep. I'm saying? If you truly feel like a couple of more spots is worth it, go get them. But I really like this class. Um, I feel like there's gonna be some gems on day two. I okay. honestly Me like too. the Washington. I, I like I like Jacob Eason from Washington. Um, I think there's a link between him and the Colts. Um, I think Frank Wright kind of gave it away in terms of he was like, Hey, I was watching this kid's pro day. Um, and he really impressed me with what he did and how he conducted it. And it, seemed, and it turned out to be Jacob Eason from Washington. I really yeah. like him. Um, I think he's a pretty solid decision maker. I think he's physically good enough. And then from there, it's just all about folks looking at the rest. You have uh, the kid from Georgia. You have a few others there. But man, I really like Jacob. I do not like Jake Fromm. That's, I, maybe I'm just much, much lower on Fromm than other people are, but... I don't know, man. Like I like him. He's okay to me. Like I don't think he's a stud, but I like him enough as somebody that played in the SEC and he yeah. did what he was able to do despite clearly being a physically limited quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's what my problem is. I mean, yeah, you can have all the accuracy in the world, but if you aren't able to make those throws, you cannot you can't succeed in this league. Like can't you can be a really good College quarterback, like, yeah, you can get away with that in college. You can get away with that in high school, middle school, you name it. But once you get to the big leagues, like, a quarterback like Jake Fromm, like, I don't even know if you can even think of a quarterback with, like, a weak arm that's been able to be successful like that. Like, yeah, Foles won the Super Bowl, but, like, he was able to get the ball down the field. Like, that's different. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't feel nice. like Fromm he's is like able. Five and mobile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's, like, Fromm is extremely, like, physically, like, 
like he's at a disadvantage to all the other quarterbacks coming out. And it's like it's not a slight on him. He can't control that. And he also has like really small hands. I don't really look at hands as like a, a huge issue, but I mean he has that. So it's like he doesn't have a lot of he doesn't have a lot of momentum heading into this draft. Yeah, I do think he's going to be a day two pick, though, um, just because, I mean, he's from the SEC. I mean, he's won games. Like, you can't uh, you can't deny that at all. Yeah. So, and um, you can't blame a kid if the teams he keep running into and losing are the teams that ultimately win the championship, <laughs> the national <laughs> championship. It's like you can't really hold that against him. Like, he's clearly facing better teams and stud quarterbacks at that position. So it's yeah. like you can't really hold that on him. Like, that's not the guy. Yeah, LSU, Alabama, like, you can't help losing to those two programs every year. Like, it just is what it is. You have to take that with what it is. Um, what My sleeper in this draft is Anthony Gordon. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, yeah. I, I really like Anthony Gordon. I, to me, I, like, I, I don't – I guess it's because he's from the Pac-12. That's that's probably why people aren't as high on him as other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like some of the things that he needs to work on, which is kind of like Jordan Love, which is why I'm kind of surprised they aren't like being compared to one another. But like working, working with the off schedule um, or off script plays, I should say, um, his his decision making isn't like the greatest there. So maybe that's why he's he's not like the you know darling of this draft class. But I do think with the right coaching, I, like. I know I don't know if you want him on the Colts, but I, I a really good coach like Frank Wright could coach him up really, really well, and I think he would he would thrive in the in a in the offense like that. Um, I feel like he could thrive. I would take him as QB two in Philly. Like I, I wouldn't mind drafting him in, in round five. Like, and rightfully so, and rightfully so. He's he's definitely one of those prospects at the position that's very intriguing, and he just gives you something. Like he's one of those guys that if you take on a day two or or more realistically, in my opinion, a day three, you just yeah. say like God, like God willing, he could turn into something because you know yeah. that's the feel. You know, it's and obviously it's crazy to make the comparison, but it's like it's similar to how maybe New England may have felt when drafting Tom Brady in the sixth round. It's like all right, yeah. you keep this kid in the sixth round, and you could look at it as always oh, just whatever. We took a player of need, or you go, hey, we can maybe try to get something out of him. Yeah. But I really like Jacob, man. I really, really do. I know his college stats wasn't the best, you know, barely completed 60% of his passes during his time at Washington. He has you a know, big I'm, arm, man. Yeah, but he has a big arm, 6'6", 227. And, again, like you said, you know, to play under Frank Wright and to have that year or maybe two to just really develop properly. Yeah. And that was the thing that I was been telling people over and over when looking at the Colts quarterback answers i'm like anybody that comes to indianapolis they don't have to carry a team yeah like folks like i remember there were some guys such as like Derek carr who i was interested in getting in indianapolis or like a cam newton or even looking into brady i was like these guys don't have to come here and carry all the way i'm like and andrew luck's final season he wasn't carrying the Colts. And I know to some people that's, what are you talking about? Oh, he had 4,500 yards and 39 touchdowns. Watch the games. Luck was not carrying the Colts like he was before. What happened was he ended up playing in a more efficient and safer system that he was able to exploit for the right reasons, and he had his best season ever. Yeah, for quite a while. Eric Ebron had a career year at tight end. 
Like you, you it's yeah. just it just happens that way, man. Like yeah, it was just an efficient system that he was able to play in that made sense to where all right, boom, I could make bigger plays here. You know, if things happen to where I could do it, I can do it. But it wasn't like he had to carry the load. And that's what I really felt was the case with just any of these guys. It's whether it's we're talking Rivers now or just any of them down the line. It's you're playing in Indianapolis. You're playing for an offense that, for one, has arguably the best offensive line in football. You have a top eight rushing attack. You're going to have solid receivers. You're going to have a really, really good trio of tight ends that are very versatile and Jack Doyle and Mo, Alex, Alex Cox, and others. It's just all about you doing your job. That's yeah. all you have to do is just do your job. You don't have to be Superman for 16 games. Well, excuse me, 17 games. Just yeah. do your job. Right. Absolutely, man. Um, I, I do think Easton is a good fit in uh, Indianapolis, though. What, I do. what do you I like? Him. What, do, what do you feel about Jalen Hurts? I like Jalen. I know he gets a bad rap, and, and surprise, surprise, it typically happens quite a bit with the black mobile quarterback yeah. that won a little something-something in college. Yeah. But, um, but no, I honestly like him. I honestly like him. I really feel like he has enough from a physical standpoint. I definitely think he checks every box and then some mentally. I mean, this guy's clearly a leader, very yeah. mature, very smart. But, uh, but I really like him towards the beginning of day three. Like, I really do. I think if you're somebody who can just use another body in the quarterback room for now, but you're open to the possibility of developing this guy some more, I think he can do it. Like, I think in a way, I think he can have some similarity to, like, a Jacoby Brissett in terms of being that guy in the locker room that everybody loves and respects so much. Yeah. Even though so far – in, in a young career, you've just been a backup or you've been a question mark. But there's just something about your personality that a team goes, yo, we're willing to make you captain even though you never, uh, even though you rarely started for us or you're just really young. I think Jalen Hurts could be like that guy for teams within the first couple of years. It wouldn't surprise me if we heard in 2023 that, yo, this team really loves Jalen Hurts because of what he does for the guys. And do I think he could start in the NFL? Absolutely. But I really think more than ever, it's going to be about the right fit and the right team that really, really believes in a man. I don't think it's talked about enough how much NFL teams aren't the biggest believers in their guys. Like, it's yeah. insane. And I think it gets slept on quite a bit. Absolutely. I think a team like Pittsburgh will be, like, a really good fit for Jalen Hurts. I just think he needs to sit under a guy that is able to work off structures like Big Ben mm-hmm. um, for about a year or two, um, and and it would just it would, I think it would work out perfectly. Um, I, I think I don't know what the what the rap is on Hurts though. I mean, I get at Alabama he wasn't like the greatest quarterback, quote unquote, but I mean when he went to Oklahoma he put up fantastic numbers. He's a Heisman yeah. finalist. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't get it. I mean, I guess he's not like the greatest touch throw passer, but at the same time, it's just like, I mean, when every when he's working off the run or something like that, I mean, things look great. I mean, I feel like something like touch throws is something that can be fixed easily. He's he's honestly somebody that it, it wouldn't be hard to work with him. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, he has the right personality. He has the right everything. It's just the system. It's hey, you bring this guy in. You know he's a developmental project, and yeah. 
lot of young quarterbacks, right? You have Mason Rudolph. They had Josh Dobbs. They had Landry Jones. They've had, it feels like a lot of young quarterbacks in recent yeah, years. Always with Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh could be one of those places. I think potentially the Chargers, you know, just if they're looking to build a quarterback room, just any place where there's a viable veteran and coaching staff that can give two to three years to develop a guy and see how it goes, I think Jalen is worth that. I mean, to me, I honestly think he is an early day three pick. Like, it's it's common sense. Like, if you need uh, an answer quarterback for whatever reason and he's available in the fourth or fifth round, preferably the fourth, just grab him. Like, you don't lose nothing. Uh, this is this is a really, really talented class, man. I mean, Yeah, it's stacked. I love this group. Uh, Way different than last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, you look at guys like – I mean, even guys like James Morgan from Florida International, I, I think he's also a pretty solid quarterback. That, that's something. That's somebody you can get in the later rounds. That if you're yeah. looking to grow your, you know, grow your quarterback room, like that'd be the perfect quarterback to groom to me. Um, Jake Luton is pretty good. Uh, Tyler Tyler Huntley is is okay. He he needs some work. There's plenty of quarterbacks in this class that need some work, but I mean, they're rookies for a reason. So, mm-hmm. I mean. But I really, really like this quarterback class. Um, let's talk about running backs now. Uh, let's see. Shout out to the Draft Network, by the way. I love the Draft Network. They, yeah, they're good. They have everything, like, right there in front of you. Yeah, um, they've, they've been pretty good about it. Who's who's your running back one heading into this draft? I, I feel like there's, like, there's, like, three or four, like, candidates for running back one. I don't think there's a... There's a clear-cut number one running back. Yeah, uh, you're right in that. Uh, for me, I would say it was it was it was Jonathan Taylor. Okay. It was Jonathan okay. Taylor from Wisconsin. Um, I feel like so far, what he showed me was he was definitely that very strong and explosive back. Yeah. But I think he has the potential to contribute to the passing game. Yeah. And that was all that I needed to see to to make him my number one back. I know there's clearly there's DeAndre Swift, there's Cam Akers, there's Jacob Dobbs, and 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 a, and a couple others, but I don't think none of them have that right combination of physical traits, um, production, and just the potential that could really go. And this dude, I mean, obviously all of them are young, but you look at Jonathan Taylor; he's only what twenty or twenty one years old. Yeah. Like that's insane. Like and, and and you know and again put, to put my Colts fan, put my Colts hat back on. Um, <laughs> again, I look at our offensive line and I I truly stand by it. I think we have the best offensive line in the league. I agree. Top eight rushing attack. Um, we have a certified starter and and Marlon Mack, but we can use another strong backup behind Mack. Um, Naheem Hines. I was telling a friend the other week. He for Rivers, he's gonna be like that Austin Eakler. That yeah. he's that kind of player, like four down player, can do everything, but because of that, he won't be utilized as much in the running game. And I yeah. think when you think about that, I at least the Colts with two, because it's also Jordan Wilkins, who we got from Ole Miss a couple seasons ago. Yeah. I think we could be in play for a running back in rounds two or three. And I really like Jordan Taylor a lot. I mean, because if the Colts don't trade back up into the first round, you know, because they do have two picks within the first. 15 picks of the second round. I think they're at 34th and they're at 44th. I'm cool with taking a back with one of those picks. Like I yeah. really am. And if Jordan Taylor's available, 
I will gladly stomp my fist onto the deck <laughs> of a draft. Like, I really would. Like, I really like this kid a lot, man. So, yeah, JT from uh, Wisconsin, he's my number one back. Man, I don't, I like I like him. I think he's running back three to me. Really? Yeah. I, like I said, like the first three or four, I'll say the first three are, are interchangeable, but my three are, are Swift, Dobbins, and Taylor for sure. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. With DeAndre Swift, like, that's somebody I, I've been looking at. I'm not even, like, this huge, like, SEC guy. I'm an Ohio State fan, but a guy like Swift, like, that's somebody I've been looking at for the past couple of seasons, and I'm like, man, this guy's amazing. Like, I get, I get, you know, Jonathan Taylor was, like, all the offense at Wisconsin, but they've had, like, a plethora of backs that have come out of Wisconsin just like that. That's just that's my true. opinion. I mean, that is true. true. You you look at like since like Ron Dane, like they've always had like running backs who were like pretty much all of the offense. And it's Mm -hmm. just because, I mean, what quarterback from Wisconsin? Well, besides Russell Wilson, yeah, I like to say he was the only one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like like you can't like really sit back and name other guys. Where like, oh yeah, that that quarterback from Wisconsin was really good. Like, no, no, like at all. So I mean. I, I get it, but I still I still like Jonathan Taylor. It's not a slight or anything like that. I get that, it. But, mm-hmm. uh, I think J.K. Dobbins is a little a little better. I don't think he was able to flash as much as he could because just look at how talented Ohio State's offense is. I mean, the ball can go to anybody, and mm-hmm. and they'll be productive. So, um, and on top of that, I mean, Ohio State blew so many teams out during the regular season. It was just like nobody really got the chance to see how like. Good of a closer, J.K. Dobbins was, or anything of that matter. Like they just seen a guy who could just break away, uh, run for long touchdowns, and 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 that's that. Like I think this, he's more than just a guy that can do that. I mean, I, I think he's a three down back. He can catch the ball in the backfield, and he can also run the ball in between the tackles. Run you know, it's funny you numbers. said that. What's up? Yeah, it's funny you said that because honestly. Um... Dobbins, when watching him, he reminded me a lot of, like, early Doug Martin. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is a good thing, because Doug Martin, early in his career, was nice. Oh, yeah, he was great. He was great coming out. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. Um, and, and, and the thing about J.K. Dobbins, he's so, he's like, his muscular build is crazy. I mean, he's 5'10", 220, like, like he's built like a tank. Yeah. Like, he can't be tackled. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. He has smooth feet, like he has pretty good vision. Like I don't know, man. I I, I really like J.K. Dobbins, but um, my sleeper. Oh, I can't even call him a sleeper. There's some really good backs. I'm looking at this list. Uh, Clyde Edwards of Lair. We didn't talk about him. Yep, he's good. He's really really good. He's he's like a mer- quote unquote Maurice Jones Drew type of back. I don't want to say he's like Maurice Jones Drew light because that's a Huge shoot to fill, but I mean, yeah, yeah uh, Drew, a lot of people forgot. Man, he was really a bad boy when he played. Yeah, uh, look at a guy like Cam Akers, he's pretty nice. Joshua Kelly, Zach Moss, Eno Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Man, like, this is a pretty deep class. Um, hold on, let me see if I can. Oh, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt is my yes, super, like, he's not talked about enough, but. I don't know, man. I, I I would take him as running back too. I think he would be able to fulfill the shoes that Jordan Howard left. I know we have Miles Sanders, but I don't and want Miles Sanders carrying the entire look. He, he doesn't need to be, to be like 
carrying the entire load, not as such, not so young. Um, even though I know we're going to use like Boston Scott, but still, I, I think we should we should definitely look into drafting another running back in the middle of the late round. So um, that would be a guy I'm, I'm looking at. But yeah, I mean Zach Moss is good, Joshua Kelly's good, um, Antonio Gibson is kind of a wild card to me from Memphis because. People have him pegged as a receiver, and then there's people that have him pegged as a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't like I, I don't know how to really like judge him. Darrington Evans from Appalachian State is really really good. I only know how good he is because I I used to bet on Appalachian State so much because they, they were so productive throughout the entire season. That Evans would have like games where he did like 20 carries, 200 plus yards, and two or three touchdowns. Or he'd break for like one seventy-yard touchdown just about every game, and it was like, uh-huh. like, man, who is this Darrington Evans guy? I didn't even know he was draft eligible. So, um, that's I like AJ Dillon quite a bit too. AJ Dillon, yes, that's also another sleeper. AJ Dillon from BC, yeah, I liked him quite a bit too. He's like he's six foot two forty, but he ran like a forty-five at times. Yeah, he he ran a a four-four forty. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's insane to be that big and be able to run that fast. And be that powerful, like that's that's a that's a really good combination. But you know, the only problem with well, it's not a problem with the class necessarily, but like most teams aren't going to end up drafting quarterback or, or, or running back in the first round. Besides, yeah. maybe the maybe the back end of the first round, and but even even, then, that's... even yeah, even then, I feel like there's bigger holes to fill. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it's I don't know. Like Swift might not get drafted until round two, like the middle of round two. Like no team really has a significant need at running back anymore. Like I'm really trying to think of a team that really has a, a, a big need at yeah, running honestly, back. Honestly, I don't expect I don't expect any back to be drafted until the second round. The the Buccaneers is probably the only team that comes to mind that needs a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then it's like yeah. That that the first round, that's all for a AO. You need a receiver, go get one. You need an interior lineman, go get one. You need a cornerback. Yeah. It's like you're gonna have to go get one in that back of the first round. Yeah. I'll be I'll be somewhat surprised if I see any of those names come up in the back end. Unless a team just truly loves one of those guys and they said, Hey, we gotta get them right now instead of waiting until the second round. As as far as the first round goes. Maybe the Chiefs are the only team I could see drafting a quarterback or, or drafting a running back in the first round. But even then, that, I feel like that's pretty far fetched. I feel like they can go, they can go corner there or something like that. They they don't have to necessarily go get a running back. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so many. There's so many, and it's like I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but this is like the first draft where I've really like paid attention to all the prospects in every single position, not just like. Oh, good quarterbacks. Oh, good receivers. Oh, good corners. Oh, good defensive linemen. Like, no, every single position I feel like is deep. And maybe because I've researched them so much this offseason, but I don't know. I feel like this is a really, really good class. And this running back class is, is pretty deep. These are all pretty good. Like, if, even if you have your running back one, like, you have a pretty good running back two if you draft one of these guys. Like, the top 20 running backs, like, you can't go wrong with any of them. Darius Anderson from from TCU, he's also a good running back in my opinion. Like, it's 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 a it's a pretty deep uh, running back position coming up. And what you said about that running back too, exactly what I'm saying. Like, I I would I would be completely fine with getting Jordan Taylor. Yeah, 
the same way we talked about you have to solidify your quarterback room, it's, it's the same thing with the running back position. Like, any chance you get to really solidify it, you have to. And I, and I really feel like uh, a Taylor or even possibly a Swifter Dobbins, you get one of those guys, they would have to be your running back number two. I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, do you want to go to receiver now? Absolutely. I'm ready. Oh, man. <laughs> favorite position. Oh, man. It's crazy. But, yeah, now we're here to talk about receivers. Who Who is your wide receiver one? Oh, get that out man. The way. For me, I, I went back and forth. But I'm, 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 a, I'm a huge, huge sucker for clean, for very clean route running, yep. catch radius. So I'm, I'm going with my guy, Jerry Jude, man. That's my number one. You know what? I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for that, man. Again, just my Colts fandom, the years watching Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and, and anybody who lined up under the horseshoe, I learned a lot about route running. I mean, even one of my favorite receivers of all time, Chad Johnson, just yep. great route runner, great footwork. And, and I know there's quite a few guys that are honestly that honestly blow Jerry out the water with their athleticism. Trust me, I know. I think Lamb is up there. I know Ruggs is up there. Jefferson might have him. Higgins might have him. But route running wise, it is catch radius and, and big time playmaking. I feel like oh, yeah. Jerry's yeah. the one for a reason. Like to me, you can't you can't overlook that. I'm gonna be in the minority and most Eagles fans are like, oh, you know, let's go get, you know, let's draft, let's stay put and let's draft like Jordan Jefferson and or Justin Jefferson, my, my, my mistake. But mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I love Justin Jefferson. I love what he does. I love his film. Yeah. Like he's able to produce on the, on the slot and the outside, contrary to what most Eagles fans believe for yeah, whatever very reason. Fluid. He's very fluid too. Don't yeah. let that on the radar. Yeah. I, I, I really, really like. Uh, Justin Jefferson, but if you're gonna get a wide receiver that's just like, like one of the darlings of the draft, like this is a deep class, but like a guy that's I'm not gonna say clearly at the head of the pack, but definitely one of the top dogs. Why not just trade up and go get a guy like Jerry Judy? I mean, I, he's a guy that's instantly gonna be able to impact the offense in a big way. It's not like he's gonna have to sit back and he's gonna learn. He has to learn this, this, and that. How to use his hands, uh, how to set up, uh, how to set up defenders with his feet, or, or things of that nature. Like he's, he's, he's ready. I feel like he's ready. And like, if I'm the Eagles and I really know, and I know I'm drafting a receiver in the first round. Why not just go trade your one, three, or four, or, or trade one, two, and three, and just go get your, go get the top guy. Like, yes. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would do it in a heartbeat. like Especially after the last season. Man, last season. That's why I'm like, man, I don't care. Just go get – you can go get three receivers out of this draft for all I care. I wouldn't be – I wouldn't be mad at all. I don't care about the other holes. Wide receiver is what's needed. Like, you need a dynamic offense. You need an offense that can put points on the board. That's – I feel like in this modern-day NFL, having a, a dynamic or a high-scoring offense is more important than having a good defense. You can get away with having an okay defense and still win the Super Bowl. That is just, a fact. The Chiefs just proved it. Chiefs just proved it. They played a really good defense in the 49ers, and the 49ers are just a very, very good running style offense. But that's that's not going to win you the Super Bowl in these days. It'll win you regular season games for sure, but 
it's not going to win you the Super Bowl. Not not a running style offense. You need to be able to put the ball in the air, and you need receivers that can go get it. And and that's one thing that the Eagles lacked. You can't you can't expect to win ten plus games just manufacturing like. 11 12 play drives like the the, yeah. the likelihood of that happening is very slim and that's why i was so surprised that we were able to do that and make the playoffs last year with the receiving court we had because it was just like like this like Devonte burnett uh i'm sorry Devonte burnett um nelson Aguilar was hurt jeffrey uh alshon jeffrey was hurt deshaun jackson was hurt after week one and that's what really killed the offense because you look at what he did in one game he was probably he, well, not even probably. He was the most productive receiver. Like he had the best game out of any of the receivers that we had. Um, of course, we have the really good tight ends. Like that's fine and all, but at the same time, you still need guys on the outside so you can take the attention off guys like Goddard or take guys and 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 Zach Ertz. Like you need good receivers. Like just yeah. just go get one, man. Like yeah, you want to find that balance. You want to find that balance between receiver and tight end production similar to what Baltimore had. Yeah. Or even what my Colts had a couple seasons ago. It's like you don't really want to be too overly reliant on one position to really, like, operate your passing game. Yeah. It, should be a, it should be a good balance. It should be a good balance. The one thing I wanted to ask you is because I think the, the, the one thing I've noticed amongst all of the conversations about receivers this year it's it's like a battle between do you want to take that freakish athleticism versus freakish skill? What do you value more? What would you prefer to see ultimately for the Eagles? Because that's been a battle. And on your timeline, like certain folks talk down on other prospects because this guy could maybe run a four three or whatever. But the other side is like, yo, this dude could run damn near every route in the book. Yeah. Like, he can get open. And it's like, I personally think it's a, it should be a balance of both. Like, I don't think yeah. it has to be either or. I agree. I, th- I think there's a there's quite a few receivers that have a combination of both. Like, I mean, you look at Henry Ruggs, and, like, people will, of course, first look at his speed. Oh, he ran a 4 a four two eight. That's fine and all, but he's a really good route runner, in my opinion. Really good. Uh, he's, he's, he has really, really freakish hands. Like there's always that one clip of rugs going up with one hand and catching the ball. Like that, that was a crazy catch, but yeah, I mean, his, his catch radius is insane. Yeah. To be a guy that's only like what, five ten, five eleven, and and to be able to do that, like it's crazy. It's crazy how good those Alabama receivers are in general. Those are definitely two of the top three, um, in this class, but uh, yeah, but definitely the combination of both. Like you can definitely you can get both in this class, and you can come out with one of the top ten or two of the top ten wide receivers, and and feel like really really good about yourself, and, and feel really good about the direction of your team. Um, of course, we talked about Jordan Jeff. Oh, C.D. Lamb. <laughs> we can't, yeah, C.D. Lamb. Can't, can't ignore C.D. Lamb. He's um. I, the thing about CeeDee Lamb that people aren't realizing, like, yeah, he ran a 4-5, but, like, his game speed is totally different to me. Yeah, he's one of those. He's 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 so slippery. Like, I, I don't know how to – I guess the best player comp for him, to, in my opinion, is DeAndre Hopkins. I'm so happy you said that. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't think there's a better player comp. Like, if, if Houston was smart, it ended up getting the first-round pick from the Cardinals, CeeDee Lamb would have been the perfect pick at number eight. Like, 
but you know, it yeah. is what it is. The Texans needed G- GM really, really bad. But that's just a conversation for another day. The but, D-Hop comparison, it's so great. It's not even the dreads either. It's not the dreads at all. I mean, they, they just play the not exact same. I mean, really good yak receivers. I mean, they're able to get open. Like, man, like what like what more can you like fathom at? Like he's he's just he's an amazing receiver prospect. I, I feel like within like two seasons, he could easily be a top twenty receiver in the league, like without question. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I would take if if I'm the Eagles, I would take Lamb too. Like, I, I'm okay with the top four or five receivers in this class. Like, you can give me, like you can give me Rugs, you can give me uh, Lamb, you can give me Judah, or I'm sorry, Judy. You can give me uh, Jefferson. You can give me Rager. You can give me Ayuk. Like, all these guys are like really, really good. Um, one guy I, I can't. It's not that I like him. It's just he doesn't. He does. I base people off how they fit in, in in the Eagles' offense. I guess like there's, I separated between okay, he's good and can he fit like what the Eagles do. I, I really like Denzel Mims, but mm. I, I, like people think that he can fit in that Eagles' offense, and I honestly don't. Do, I don't think so. He's a good. I think he's a solid route runner, but at the same time, to not be able to create a ton of separation against big 12 cornerbacks uh, is like really, really puzzling to me. Yeah. It's a no, no. And, and you go look at his numbers in the combine while they were freakish, like running a four, three, eight at six, three, uh, two, 10, or however, however much he weighs, like that's really impressive. But if you go look at like his game tape, like he, he doesn't, he doesn't fit that four, three, eight speed at all. Like, he doesn't look that fast on the field in, in regular game speed, but that's just my opinion. No, I'm you're saying, right. I'm, you're I'm, right not, I'm, I'm not saying people are too high on him, but for everybody to be like, "Oh yeah, go draft Mims at 21," is kind of like, "Okay, relax." If we're gonna, if, if we're gonna he trade right back, board, though. yeah, 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 he's he's really good, but I mean, if we were to trade back at the end of the first round or early second round and get him. Cool, I'm fine. But being yeah, right. one of the teams that are in the middle of the pack at 21 is just like, okay, you really have to get this pick right. You got to know that this is not a reach. I feel like Mims at 21 will be a reach. Uh, there's always one player like during the draft process that like really blows up, and Mims is definitely definitely that guy. And because of that, like he's got all his momentum, and everybody's like, oh yeah, go get Mims, go get Mims. But like. If you go turn his film on, like some games he was like almost non-existent until the fourth quarter. Like there was a game he played against uh, Texas Tech, I believe. He was completely non-existent until he had like one amazing catch in the fourth quarter. And then he had another one. And then uh, he almost scored to win the game uh, in overtime against them. It was just like I, I really like Denzel Mims, but like. Not at not at twenty one. Not 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 at twenty one. Not not at twenty one at all. I would for sure take Justin Jefferson over him at twenty one. I like I'll, I like Jefferson a lot. I really man. do, man. I really do. Crazy enough, before the coach traded away their pick, I honestly was leaning towards wanting a receiver at thirteen, really the most. Okay. You see, that, that would have been the third position I thought you guys would have went after. Yeah, I was really into receiver the most because I'm like, damn, I'm like, we. We need help for T.Y. 
Paris Campbell's going to be the third. Uh, like, we got the young kid, Darius Fountain, who's the fourth, fifth receiver. Okay. So, I'm like, I would take a receiver at 13. I'm like, I don't think folks could look at that and go, oh, you're reaching. I'm like, 13 has been a pretty good spot historically for receivers. Yeah. You know, like Odell Beckham Jr. was the 13 overall pick. There's been quite a few others in that 10 to 15 range that when you get them, they've usually worked out. Yep, I agree. I definitely agree. That's why I'm like, oh, man, I want the Eagles to, to trade up really, really bad because, uh, yeah, um, I, I guess – and also one of the things with Mims that people talked about was like – I look at a stat or like some type of data today. They were talking about senior wide, senior wide receivers that get drafted in the first round. Yeah. It's, it's not a good list. Like it's not a good list at all. Uh, eight – all you have to know is AJ Jenkins was on that is on that list. That's that's literally all you need to know. Like, you don't even know who he is probably, but that that just lets you know like how disappointing that that particular demographic getting drafted in the first round is. Um, but it's no slight to Mims. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust or anything like that. But I would be cautious if I was the Eagles at 21 and I thought Mims was actually like the clear cut guy. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Do you watch uh, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State? Yeah, I had a chance to watch a game or two of his. Okay. I had a chance to watch a game or two of his. I like him, too. He's another one of those guys that, again, top of the second round, if you like him enough and based on who's available, you can go get him, too. Because I know he's projected to go between 35th and 45th uh, just based off of who may be available and and – how they really like him, but he's another yeah. one of those guys too. Him, the, the kid from Colorado, of course. And that, if, that, that's the biggest. He's the biggest wild card in this in this class. He could potential wise and like ceiling wise. I feel like he has the ability to be the best receiver in this class. But easily. the, the only, pro- only problem is this is injury. Is he's injury prone? Like. He has a crazy injury history. He, he got hurt at the combine, or he was hurt prior to the combine, and decided to uh, participate. Like it's like it's always something with him, and I, I I know some of that is overused at Colorado. He was definitely a big part of their offense. They use him at running back sometimes. Like, but he's definitely the biggest wild card. He could be a bust due to injury, or he could be like one of the best wide receivers in the league uh, in in, the, in a few years. Like that's. He's definitely that boom bust guy for me. If we didn't have much injury problems in Indianapolis, he probably would have been on top of my list Same for thirty fourth or forty fourth pick at receiver. Yep. yep. But it's just we got so many injury problems, and it might be a bad thing. But I don't know if I would be willing to take him just because it would suck if we have back to back years where our second round picks were just injured and couldn't help out. Yeah, that that would suck. And and that's that's the reason I look at Chanel and I'm like, man, like I like him due to what I seen on tape, but at the same time, like due to his injury history, like I don't know if that's necessarily like the the smartest move for the Eagles to make. But it is a it's it's an Eagles type of move, and it it would make me mad. But of <laughs> course, me being like this opportunist or an enthusiast, like of course I would be like, oh yeah, he's gonna be fine. Knowing and then when the season starts, I'll act surprised like. Oh man, he's hurt. Like I don't wish injuries on anybody, but just looking at the history is just like, I mean, not necessarily bound to happen, but the likelihood of him getting hurt compared to other wide receivers in this class is is pretty high. Like, 
you can't you can't deny like all the injury history that he has. But I'm I'm rooting for him though. Even if he's not on my team, I I I want to see a guy like him produce. Like you look at Kevin White, and it was like man, he's it was terrible for him coming out because. Well, not coming out necessarily, but I mean, he was fine, and then he, he started getting injured all the time, and it was just like, man, he he just never found a, a role. Like he was in the top ten, that went is to the Bears, yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope Chanel does well though. Um, yeah, we all there's gonna be something good too. Man, it's a long list of receivers. Uh, let's talk about like I don't know. We can just go until we stop. I guess. Oh, he was gonna be good too, Kevin White, man. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I got, I got honestly, I got like another 10, 15 minutes in me. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Jalen Rager, how do you feel about him? Yeah, I was waiting for you to say his name. <laughs> That's a guy. You know what? If weren't, if we weren't to take, uh, if we weren't to take a guy like um, Justin Jefferson at twenty one, or if we weren't to trade up or anything like that, I'm fine with either staying at twenty one and taking Rager or trading back and taking Rager. A lot of people look at his mm. hands, and and his hands aren't like the greatest, and I, and I, I get that. But I think it's coachable. On top of that, I also feel like it was due to his bad quarterback play. Like his quarterback play yep. was awful. It was awful at TS. It was really, it was terrible. Like he, I think he had the highest amount of uncatchable balls out of all the receivers in this class. He was number one. Like it just is what it is, man. Like. You can't look at one side and not look at the other. Like, yeah, of course, I see, like, some drops are there. I don't even think he had the highest drop rate. I think he was, like, his drop rate was, like, 7 or 8%. But, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily look at Rager and it's, like, people say, like, he's, like, Nelson Aguilar. And it's, like, no. Like, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Nelson Aguilar's film from USC when he was coming out, like people thought he was gonna be one of the like next like really really good receivers in the league. So I wasn't mad at the pick at that time either because it was like I get it. But now looking at Pac-12 is like uh, I'm cool on it. That's why I'm kind of like iffy on IU because it's like he's really good, but who knows what's gonna happen like when he translates to the NFL. Um, but yeah, Rager. I mean, he's also a guy that was heavily relied on. He doesn't have much injury history. Like you look at his combine numbers, they're 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 really really good. You look at his broad jump, you look at his vertical jump, like, and people look at his forty and like look down on it. He came into the forty ten pounds heavier than he usually is. I think he had like some of the biggest hands out of all the receivers, and he ran a four four seven. And people look yeah. down on that as if it was a bad number. And it was just like, what? <laughs> really good vertical jump too. Yeah, I think what he had like the you? highest. I think he had the highest out of everybody, which I is think nuts. He, may have. he had a solid three cone, seven point thirty one seconds. I remember that. Yep. Bench yep. press, got some strengths. Well, 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 actually, like he had one of the worst three cones, and and that's and like the, I don't really think the three cone is like that important. Like coming out, like the, they should completely take that particular drill out for wide receivers. Because who cares? Because Mims, Mims had the highest like. Or one of the highest like scores from the three cone drill, and you look at his tape, he, his hips aren't like he he doesn't win with his hips at all. He uses his hands, so like there's some things that don't they don't translate from the combine to the actual field or the actual game. And you look at Rager, like he's able to win with his hips, like he's, he's fast, like it is what it is. You can't you can't coach speed, like a drill can't necessarily look. 
or, or, or dictate that for you. So I hope people don't look at his three cone drill and are like, oh, I don't know if I'm good. I don't know about that. Like that, that that's pretty stupid. Yeah. And the things he needs to work on are things that you can improve. Like I, I, I do think with Jalen, he could do a much better job against press coverage. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think against press coverage, he can he tends to struggle quite a bit initially with separation, along yeah. with just not allowing cornerbacks to gain leverage on him. Yeah, but I do think if he could work on that a lot, because part of his struggles with press coverage is when the corner starts winning against him, his routes become sloppy. Yeah, his routes become sloppy, which makes it worse when you're already playing with pretty bad quarterback play. Yeah. So if he can improve those two things, beating press coverage, becoming a better route runner and just staying disciplined to that, then, oh, yeah, he'll 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 become that first round talent. And. And I, and I think that's really, in my opinion, I think that's his only hope of going in the first round if teams can overlook that. Because, again, thinking early 20s, maybe late teens, when you know there could be certain guys available there, that would be a huge leap of faith, in my opinion. It'd be like, yo, we'd rather go with him if you have Jefferson there or yeah. Higgins there or somehow one of the top two or three guys, the receivers, drop to – the late teens to early 20s because maybe the other teams wanted to go on a run for other positions. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. You brought up T. Higgins, so let's talk about him. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i kind of confused because, well, I'm not necessarily confused. He, he's gotten lost in the sauce um, because of, you know, the, the bad pro day numbers, quote unquote. But the thing about it is he's 6'4". He's, he's pretty fast. He's not the greatest when it comes to like, like getting getting pressed. He gets drawn off to the sideline a lot, and, and that pretty much takes you out of the play. Um, but I, he's a really good jump ball receiver. Yeah, I, I think he's a good yard after catch receiver. He's not the greatest route runner, but that can be fixed, of course. Like, I, I think T. Higgins is a guy that should be looked at more than he has been. Um, I don't know. Like, I look at a lot of people's rankings, and Higgins is, like, wide receiver, like, eight for them. And it's like, I don't know how you can look at how productive he was at Clemson with also a guy like Justin Ross. You have Travis Etienne there as well. And to be able to put those numbers up. And I think, like, you look at him against Ohio State, besides him, like, getting injured sometimes, like, I think he was doing pretty well. He was holding his own against Jeffrey Okuda, which is the best corner coming out of this class. So, I mean – I don't know. I think Higgins is a guy that, that that's going to surprise a lot of people early in his career. Not, I, put, not I think he's underrated. I think yeah. he's. I think he has a great case for being the sleeper in his class because a lot of his weaknesses are fundamental. It's yeah. the inconsistent press release. It's the the little things in terms of knowing how to break away at the right time from a defender. It's more skill stuff. You know, when we talk about guys like Jalen and and a few others their weaknesses are truly physical and they could be fixed or not. But with J- oh, but excuse me, not Jalen, but with Higgins, it's, his is more fundamental because physically it's not only the fact that he's 6'4", but he's a lean 6'4". Yeah. He looks like A.J. Green. He's yeah. not like one of those big 6'4", 230 dudes who might be a yeah, little... Like Kelvin uh, Benjamin, yeah. Yeah, like he's lean, like he got speed. He could run step for step for the deep ball. He he yep. knows how to get that like initial push and space for the deep ball. Like you mentioned, he's a great jump ball receiver. 
And when you got a guy, too, who can play all three receiver positions at 6'4", yep. are you, you kidding me? You got to have him. I'm in. I'm. I'm definitely in the uh, in the minority. But man, if the Eagles were to draft T. Higgins, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset at all. Like I, I would. I really, really would not be upset at all. I don't see how you could be upset at that and then want Mims. He's not. He. I, he's not a better. He's not a better prospect than Mims is production wise. Is any way you look at it, he's not better than Mims. And. The other day, I had, I had tweeted, like, my wide receiver rankings, but I was just kind of, like, just tweeting them all in a row, like, the first one pops in my head, boom, boom, boom. And then I put, like, Mims at number five, and I put Higgins, I believe, at number six. And I thought about it for a few minutes, and I was like, that's not true at all. I had to switch all that around. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, um, I, I really, really like Higgins. Like, people think he's going in the second round. I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the first round at all, like, at all, uh, there's there's teams like, I mean, a team like the the Ravens, they could use a receiver right now. Uh, you look at the Packers, they could use another receiver. Like, there, there's quite a few teams that could benefit from a guy like T, T. Higgins. I think he can step in and, develop, and 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 be able to really really do work right away. Um, with his uh, again, this with his skill set. It's uh, I I think he could be one of those surprise guys, man, for real. Like I could see him racking up a lot of yards in his rookie year with the right system. Yeah, because it's like I, like I, I just said, it's his weaknesses are more so fundamental, and it might be a little more of his mental. So if you just clean that up and you get him to understand the advantages he can have, damn near against damn near every corner in the league, he's going to eat. I agree. Six four I, I and can play agree. any position. Six four and can separate. Six four and could get any catch. Six four and can win any jump ball. All you gotta tell them is just you gotta be a dog, bro. Like yeah. you gotta be physical. You gotta bring it. They're gonna look at you and think, oh, because you're six four and you're lean, that you might be soft. Hell no. Bring it to them. Yep, I agree. I definitely agree. Well, let's go from a tall receiver to a guy that's like <laughs> not the most vis- physically like. Uh, fearing KJ Hamler. Uh, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> How do you feel about KJ Hamler? Shout out, shout out KJ, man. KJ is uh, I'm I'm kind of mixed on KJ. Me too, me too. Because I look at him and it's just that balance between like, all right, what exactly do you really bring to a team? You know, it's. Because I look at I look at guys like him and I look at his style of play and and of course the production and it just makes me wonder in the league are you going to be somebody who could really be reliant on in terms of being like that full time receiver? Do yeah. you have to utilize and maybe other roles to really get you going? Considering you know your your height and, and everything, but I do see him being somebody that I would say for the right deal, late late day two, I will grab him. I agree. Late day two, I would grab him because he still can give you enough. He can still give you enough. He can still be a productive player. It's just all about putting it all together at his size. And the thing with him, he's a, he's he's a slot receiver. <laughs> uh, yeah. People look people look at Justin Jefferson and say he's a slot receiver, but that's not because he can't play outside. It's just because they had like one of the other greatest 
receivers in the country and Jamar Chase on the outside. It's just like, well, he can kick him on the inside. Um, and, and then on top of that, Jordan Jefferson produced on the outside the previous year in, in which an, it was an offense with, like, slow tight ends and, like, it just wasn't good at all. Joe Burrow obviously wasn't that great in 2018 at all. Joe Brady came there and revitalized that entire offense. But this is not about Jefferson right now. But, um, but yeah, Hamler, I mean, he's a guy that, that's only – exclusively in the slot um he's not i mean you can't he's fast you can't deny that you can't deny that at all but at the same time it's just like what more that you bring to the table besides go routes and and, and slants like yeah i don't know i don't the know the only way he'll go up early in the first round would be if a team truly needs a slot receiver and he's yeah. going to be in right away like like I, I see, like a Chicago or whoever early in the second round grabbing him. Uh, that that's actually a really good fit for him. I feel yeah. like that's the early, that's the earliest he can go is is, is to Chicago because they just got rid of uh, Taylor Gabriel, so they obviously have a hole there still. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Nick Foles, who I would assume is going to win the quarterback job over Mitch. Uh, he benefits from really good slot receivers. He loved Aguilar when after he came in for Foles. Uh, he he loved Golden Tate and the, the few games that he had him in. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 from, you know, I think, like we said, Chicago, I think potentially if they have a second rounder, I think a team like the Rams, maybe the Raiders that really rely on smallerish receivers that could be super-duper quick or fast and just get after it. Um, yeah. Potentially, maybe New England. I could see that as well. But it's just for a dude who you know is primarily the slot guy, it's like the only way you're going to feel like you're going to get a bang for your buck out of him is if you think, all right, he's going to be like a top option in our system. Maybe we'll get him involved with special teams because he does have that kind of speed. But I I, I just can't see it. I I just can't. And also, another thing that people don't really mention is that you know people talk about Jalen Rager's drop rate. Hamler had the highest drop rate out of anybody in this class. I mean he he had like 13 drops last year for a guy that's just primarily out of the slot. Nobody talks about that but everybody talks about Jalen Rager's drop rate. Like I'll never understand. Eagles fans are like the weirdest bunch of people that I've ever like associated myself with because it's like Sometimes I don't understand the logic at all, but yeah, you know, I, I, I like Hamler. It's not like a it's not like a me attacking him, but it's just yeah. like you can't get you can't put this thing on one one receiver and not look at the other, which is like significantly higher, and be like, Oh, that's not it's not a big deal. And he's shorter and 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 all that stuff going against him. So with a limited uh, route tree. Let's see. We we talked about a lot of receivers. What what is a what is a sleeper receiver? There's like three that come to mind for me, but what's one sleeper receiver for you that uh, we haven't that we haven't talked about? So I already named one. As crazy as it sounded, in Higgins, like I really felt like I really feel like he's a sleeper. Uh-huh. Um, I like Van Jefferson quite a bit from Florida. Oh yeah, I love Van Jefferson. Man. Yeah, I like him quite a bit. Um, I think that's one of those. He'll be one of those names in the third round or so. Yep. That's like, what? He's still available? Like, you got to grab him. I liked him. And for somebody that's, like, later in the draft, uh, 
I like Joe Reed, and then I liked uh, Courtney Davis. Joe Reed, okay. Joe Reed, I think played at Virginia, and Courtney Davis played at Texas A and M. Now both guys were some solid size. They're both six one to six two, you know, anywhere between uh, two hundred and two twenty, and they both just have that right balance, uh, in my opinion, between just being a solid receiver, possessing enough athleticism to really get after it. And I think those are the kind of guys that you could bring in to a team after their selections on day three, and they'll help you in terms of building your receiver room, maybe giving you a little something, something if you give them some opportunities. Yeah. But I really like what they can do. And maybe, maybe they could turn into a legitimate wide receiver three if it calls for it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll just give my two sleepers before we go. Mine, uh, first one is is Brian Edwards. I love Brian Edwards coming out of South Carolina. Yeah, he's nice. I don't think he's necessarily benefited from having like the greatest quarterback play. That's the thing about some of these receivers. Like you don't even know how good they can be or how productive they could be because what they, you know, what you see in college is like, you know, some of the quarterbacks that they're playing with, they aren't NFL caliber quarterbacks by any means. So, I mean, you can't really get a good read on how good these receivers are. All you can really look at is, Oh, they can get open. They can use their hands really well. They can run routes and oh, when they have the ball in their hands, and the times that they do, like oh, they 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 look pretty good. And I think Brian Edwards fills all those boxes for me. I also think he's a really really explosive player. Nobody talks about him as much. I think he's also going to be like a third round guy if the Eagles yeah. are are there and then find a way for him to slip all the way to one hundred and five. I would take him in a heartbeat. He's um, another one of those guys too, where again, similar to Higgins, his weaknesses aren't physical. It's yeah. more fundamental. It's more fundamental. It's a little more on the tough side. Because at his size, I wish he could have did a better job getting those 50-50 balls. Yeah. You know, I wish he could have, you know, just used – and it's not even – And when it comes to 50-50 balls, folks got to understand, it's not always about jumping. Yeah. There's a basketball element to it in terms of boxing out and positioning. Leverage, definitely. Yep. Yeah. And, and and I don't think he did either of those things as good as he could have. And at his size as well, and, and folks may look at it and go, you know, it's it shouldn't be a big deal. But uh six three, <laughs> two twelve, you could be a better blocker, bro. <laughs> you could be a better blocker at six three, two twelve. If you were six foot, I wouldn't ask, but six three, excuse my excuse my language, your ass could be a better blocker. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that's what you get in round three. I mean, you got guys that are still really good, but at the same time, need some work. So yep. I, com- I completely get it. My my other receiver that I think is really going to be a sleeper is, is is Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. That mm, he can that's a great one. That's that's also a receiver I can you can look at and be like, well, he could be like the gem of this draft. Like, doesn't matter where he gets drafted. I think he's going to go in like round four. He should go higher. He had, like, second-round buzz initially, and then he just doesn't have that anymore. I, maybe it's due to the fact that, you know, his medicals or something like that. I don't know. But he doesn't have a lot of – he doesn't have a lot of, like, uh, what do you call that, uh, cons to his game. Yeah. I mean, he's not the most explosive player, but at the same time, like, who cares? Like, he's he's definitely a really, really good possession receiver. He's six he's six three for crying out loud, like – I, I would take a receiver like that in a heartbeat. I think he can play every every single receiver position as well. So 
Um, Tyler Johnson is definitely another sleeper pick for me. I can go on all day about the receivers because obviously it's the Eagles' biggest need. And you got sure, yeah, yeah, right. You've been watching closely. Yeah, Antonio Gandy, Golden, Lynn Bowden. I mean, uh, Isaiah Hodgins. Like you can go on and on, but it's, I think it's pretty. Oh, Donovan Peoples Jones. But mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's good to just end that uh, right there. Yeah. Devin uh, Duvernay. Whoops, say forgot about, about him. Tyler Johnson real quick too, because you just reminded me. This might surprise some folks, but when I was watching Tyler Johnson, his ball skills to me, honestly, I would say were top five ball skills in the class. Okay. That's not not crazy to take it all. Yeah. The the tracking ability, regardless of where it was, crazy. Yeah. Just like we talked about with – uh, with, with with Braylon in terms of just knowing how to utilize your body yeah. for jump balls, box outs. Tyler doesn't struggle with that. Um, I think he's very underrated as a route runner when it comes to comeback routes in terms of knowing how to get back to the quarterback and meet him halfway. He's yeah. not a body catcher at all, man. Yeah. And, and I just think in general, it's his strength as a receiver too. He has similar strength to A.J. Brown. Okay. Those kind of guys who are just very strong after the catch, with contact, without contact, he's one of those. So when you say gems, when you say underrated, the flashbacks in my head from the three games I watched of him gave me all the great feelings I have for this kid. I really like him a lot too. Yep. I I, I just remember watching Minnesota – and I'm an Ohio State fan, so I don't don't watch Minnesota like that. I don't really care to watch Minnesota, but like – I was watching him against like Penn State, um, and then there's like a few other games like early in the season where it was just like, oh, Maryland was one of them. It was him and him and Rashad Bateman were like taking turns like with with these big plays, and then like, man, are both of these guys coming out in this class? And and I found out that that Tyler Johnson was coming out, and it was like, oh, he should be a, a second round pick at at the at the latest. I felt like at that time, but. Uh, the draft process is something else. It can make or break your draft position. And obviously, it's broken him a little bit. Uh, I think he's going to slide, but I think he should be drafted much higher. That's why he's going to be probably the gem of this draft. I, I'm slamming the table on him, and I'll, I'll die on that, Tyler Johnson Hill. But, yeah, I, I'm really, really excited about this entire draft class, not just the receivers, but, you know, even positions that the Eagles don't even necessarily need. Like, this is – this is a big, big draft. I'm glad. I'm glad it's actually going on still. You know, despite the coronavirus, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about the cornerbacks. Yeah, I feel like there could be potentially as high as eight first round caliber cornerbacks in this class. And ooh, I, eight. Yeah, I, I, I think I, it's, I think I'm it's talking, like four. And I'm not, and I'm not talking in terms of, and, and I don't wanted to clarify that. Not in terms of going in the first round, but I feel like first round graded cornerbacks. Okay. Okay. I think there's a lot of them, these guys, man, that they're, they're all very physically gifted. I think corner, at least out of the college game in recent years has become better, uh, fundamentally sound. Yeah. Guys already had the physical gifts. We're talking speed. We're talking length. Some had the height advantage at being six, one or six, two, but I'm seeing guys who are getting it in terms of mentally and understanding how to really prepare for the game. And I don't, of course, I don't believe eight, eight cornerbacks will go in the first round, but 
certain guys like uh, AJ Terrell, a Jalen Johnson, a Bryce Hall, a Damian uh, Arnetti. I roll with those guys any day of the week, and I need Chris Ballard to get dibs on one of them. Noah, uh, I don't know how to say his last name at all from Auburn. He's yeah. he's all he's also pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diggs is going to be a project, but I think he's going to be pretty solid in the NFL. Um, Cameron, of course, from Mississippi State, like him yeah. too. Amik Roberson, I, I really really like him, he, but he's he's a nickel corner, he's a slot corner, but still he's probably the most dominant slot corner in in this class. Um, but I mean, you look at guys like. I mean, you already have Fulton, Glad- Jeff Gladney, C.J. Henderson, Jeffrey Okuda. That doesn't even have to be like established. Like, you know, those, I f- yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like Okuda, Henderson, Gladney, Fulton are like the four locks going the first round. I think A.J. Terrell could sneak into the back end. Um, Diggs possibly can sneak into the back end. I think Damon Arnett's going to be a second rounder. Jalen Johnson, a second rounder. Noah from from uh, Auburn is going to be a second rounder. Like it's 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 just a really talented class in general. Like this is a uh, that's that's why it's so big, man. Like this this draft is so huge, and the whole world's going to be watching. It's not just going to be the NFL guys. Like nothing else is going on. It's no it's no, play, no playoff games or anything like that. Like this is strictly. The NFL draft on Thursday through, from Thursday through Saturday, like that's why it's going to be so exciting, and it's going to be digital. So now it's going to be like over over the internet. You guys guys are going to be like on Zoom. I don't mm-hmm. even know how that's all going to work, but I'm 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 honestly like excited to see it happen. It's crazy Quick that question. we're like exactly two weeks from now, but yeah. Quick question I got for you, Reek. What's up? Which position you think after the top? prospect or prospects have the biggest drop off. I'll give you mine. I think linebacker is that position. Ooh. Hmm. Linebacker. There is quite a few good linebackers though. To me at least. But I, I can get how people well, you know what? I think it's like five or six and then it, it's a drop off. Interior alignment so would have to be up there too, especially on the defensive end. I think interior offensive line is probably the biggest drop off for me. Mm. I think Cesar Ruiz is probably the only first round uh, caliber inside offensive lineman. But then you guys, guys like uh, Cushenberry, um, Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, he's he's solid. But I feel like those are like second, late second round picks to me. Um, but with this linebacker class, I mean Simmons, Queen, Murray. Bond is really an edge rusher. Yeah. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, he's, well, he's like okay. Die a lot from Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Die is also, yeah, he's also pretty solid. Logan Wilson from Wyoming is, is pretty good. Jordan Brooks is okay. Malik Harrison is pretty good. Uh, Willie Gay Jr., he's been in trouble, so it's like nobody knows what his real, like, potential is, but I think he's going to be pretty Ron good. Taylor from Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few. David Woodward from Utah State. Like, you can go on. I think – I don't know, man. When I talk about drop-off, I really think interior offensive line is is, is going to be the biggest drop-off. Uh, that was a part of my top three. <laughs> t- tight end – I don't I mean tight end is tight end. Like, I don't think there's a bunch of – Tight end doesn't really have a standout. Yeah, year. they don't. It's like it's Troutman, it's Hopkins, it's yeah. all those guys, like all in one bunch. Albert O – from uh, Missouri, he's good, but yeah, there's no standout 
in, in that particular position. Um, we might not hear about tight end until day three, to be honest. Oh, Edge might be the biggest drop off. That is up there too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's Chase Young, Chase Chase on from uh, LSU, and it's like I don't know. I feel like it's a drop off after that. Like those I are mean, both guys that, that from are, Iowa, and then you have Gross from uh, Penn State. Yeah, I mean you have Zach Bond. But yeah, but, after that, yeah, it's that. I, I think that's the biggest drop off. Then mm-hmm. I think it's it's that more than is that interior offensive line. I don't know what would be my third uh, position because offensive tackle is pretty good, uh, running backs pretty solid, quarterbacks pretty solid. Well, I guess quarterback. No, quarterbacks is probably the biggest drop off. Honestly, that's probably my top three: quarterbacks, edge. And interior offensive line. Those are yeah. the biggest drop offs for me. That's fair. That's fair. I definitely see that. Because, like, Terrell Lewis is, like, getting first round buzz. I don't know how. I don't know why. But Terrell Lewis is, he's, like, really raw. So it's like, I don't, I don't get the hype on him going hey, in the first round. You watch that tape long enough, people start seeing things different. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's crazy. Like that's why the draft process is like it's so it's so long and it's like okay, starting out things look so great and then the combine happens and all of a sudden everybody's grades look different. And then in that that little dry spell in, in March and in, in majority of April is like opinions that starts flip-flopping all over the place and it's like okay, like who ex- like I didn't expect Tyler Johnson. He was supposed to go in the second round. Like I used to do the mock drafts. He used to be like 60th or something somewhere around there on the draft network and now he's like like almost 100 and it's like whoa where where, where did that come from um you look at mims he was a guy that was like second rounder now all of a sudden he's like top 30 and it's like okay <laughs> it's, it's it's so crazy how the draft works but like i said it's, it's a really talented class and I'm, I'm i'm excited to to see what happens and where everybody goes mm-hmm. me too brother Absolutely. Well, that that'll do it for episode twenty five of the Moving the Chains podcast. Arden, it was a it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, I've been waiting to talk football for a, l- a little while, so I'm glad to finally be able to talk about that with you. Um, as for the direction of this podcast, I don't really. <laughs> I, I, I'd be a liar to, if I said that I knew what was going on. But uh, at this very moment, um, I'm still working through it. Still don't know necessarily what what's next, but I'll give you guys more details. Just follow the uh, underscore MTC podcast on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure I'll have updates for you guys as time goes on. Um, Till then, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I'll see you guys soon. Thank you.